Welcome to ShoeCast, Shoe's very own podcast. This series of ShoeCast will explore everything from trends in the digital world to advise on how we can play to your strengths and overcome personal and work challenges. We're featuring some amazing industry guests who will also be sharing their experiences within their field. Alongside me, I'm Rachel, the Chief Operations Officer at Shoe, and there will be Chris, our Chief Vision Officer, and also our guest host from the Shoe Academy, and these include Annie, Katie, and Sabrina. We hope you enjoy our series this autumn. Thank you. Um, hi everyone, I'm Katie from the Shoe Academy, and I'm joined today by Chris, who is the Chief Visions Officer, Officer at Shoe Social Media. And we're joined by special guest Ian Lockwood, who owns his own digital consultancy. And today we're going to be discussing the post-COVID-19 digital revolution. So Ian, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do and your business? Yeah, hi everybody. Um, so uh, for the last 10, well, 10 years up to last year, uh, I ran a digital marketing agency called uh, Boom, sold out of that in the pandemic, uh, just about. And uh, I still do a bit of consultancy for them, but my business now is largely uh, training and uh, consultancy on all sorts of digital marketing, primarily SEO and PPC. Um, for businesses of various sizes, typically delivering kind of webinars these days, <laughs> used to be in person, not so much now, um, to, uh, yeah, small businesses in, in my area, which is, you know, the East Midlands, so Nottingham, Derbyshire, Leicestershire really is, is my patch, and uh, yeah, 20 odd years in the game now, I think uh, next month will be, oh God, frighteningly large number, 23 years uh, in October, I'll have been working in this this sector. Brilliant, thank you very much. Um, Chris, similarly, would you like to introduce yourself a bit about what you do at SHU? Yeah, sure. Congratulations, 20 years. I'm sure there's a card in there somewhere, maybe from the Queen or something. <laughs> I'm Chris Morris and I'm the Chief Vision Officer of SHU Social Media. We, we founded seven years ago, um, so not quite, not quite the 20, but a, a reasonable amount of time in the social media world, particularly um, focusing on Facebook and Instagram advertising for clients across the UK. Most of our clients, to be honest, are, are in Yorkshire, um, but we, we deliver strategy and training and really just create an account, create a, an account and a campaign that's going to work and generates return investment for those, those clients. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Good stuff. So I'm just going to jump into what we're here to talk about today. So how would you say the pandemic has impacted your, relations with, your relationship with clients in terms of how you communicate with one another? So what sort of factors have you had to consider that you wouldn't have before so I'll ask Ian I'll ask you this one first yeah um I mean that there's been a you know an unsurprisingly large amount of change in uh, in how we deal with everything hasn't there but the I, I think one of the big things that I'm taking away from this is how much more efficient it can make some of those relationships so a lot of people um over the years would be oh we want to meet you we want to meet you face to face you travel there'd be you know quite a lot of driving you know it's it's just dead time isn't it travel more or less okay if you're on a train you may be able to get a bit of work done and stuff but it's not the same as being in front of your computer in the office so um i think we've you know globally we've we've all shown how productive video call um webinar type uh, meetings can be nothing's perfect too many of them can you know deaden the brain uh, the fatigue of it all and all the rest of it and and so i'm not suggesting that nobody should ever meet in person again or anything like that but it's certainly opened people's eyes um 
to the, the power of, uh, of the, the video call. A lot of what we do requires uh, you know, demonstrations, examples. You know, so you're trying to explain some of the concepts and bits of SEO or something in Google Ads or whatever. You, know, you want to show people that. And doing that in a meeting room is okay as long as you've got a big enough screen. But actually, when you're screen sharing, you, know, you can't sort of miss it. It's really in front of you. It's much easier to see, actually. Um, and of course, you, if you go the extra mile, you can even take control of, of your um, fellow uh, meeting attendees' computers and what have you and show them what they're doing and that kind of stuff. So I think it, it's, it's made that side of the relationship in some respects more efficient. And I think the clients appreciate that. Certainly the, the staff do. Um, but inevitably, there, you know, there are downsides to that. And I think the, the human relationships um, are, are potentially uh, not as strong or easy to maintain as, as they were when we met in person. Um, I think part of that is that the video call, especially because we've all had you know, so many of them, um, it's become quite a, a fairly perfunctory kind of activity. So before, if you went to a meeting, there might be a few minutes beforehand where you're waiting, you know, not everybody's necessarily all turned up at the same time. So there's some chit chat going on and uh, you, you obviously see people face to face and you may notice things about them or, you know, you're just a little bit more comfortable to have a, um, a, a bit of a cheeky chat with them or, or make a joke or whatever. Because even with video, you don't quite have the same um, visual nuances of, of, of communication you may be not as confident to, to have those kinds of little jokes and stuff like that. And, you know, largely people are more um, prompt in, in turning up to the meeting. So you don't necessarily have that, that time at the beginning or the end or whatever and, and the chat and, you know, you haven't turned up, um, you know, the weather's kind of irrelevant because it's not like you've turned up in the rain. You know, there's the, the, those kind of generators of small talk, which actually lead to a, a bit of a, a relationship building and, and people understanding personalities you've lost some of that so, so um you know th this is not telling anybody anything new but i think in terms of the client dynamics um it, it has changed in that way but it it's also made it easier to win and do business with people that are further away um people that previously be like well it's just not worth traveling you know it's not worth me doing three hours on the train to go and win this try and win this business from a client that's going to pay us you know, hundreds of pounds a month, not thousands. Of, it, it's, a, it's a big effort to go and deal with them. And, you know, and oh, yeah, but we want to meet you every quarter or worse, every month. And it's like, well, it's just, it's, what's the point? You're going to use all your budget on travel time. So um, it does enable you to, to do that. And I think it's, I haven't seen a huge amount of evidence of it yet, but I do get a bit of a sense that it's maybe opened up some clients to uh, agencies that are not, in central city locations that aren't in you know there may be southeast clients that now will deal with people outside of london who previously you know they, they just wouldn't go outside of uh, outside of the m25 kind of thing so um i think that, that there is that potential benefit not that's really changing the relationship too much but it's i think it's perhaps opening up that as well yeah definitely um chris have you got anything to add to that yeah, no, really good, good, some good points there. Um, just going to look at my notes and cover the bits that you haven't covered. And the key thing I wrote down here pre-planning this was the authenticity of relationships. I think it's definitely cemented those those clients who have stayed and stuck with the pandemic and seen our business and really got thrown themselves into the opportunities that are available. I think those clients that we've maintained relationships and worked with 
through using Zoom, through using Teams, through using WhatsApp and all the different ways of communicating, which perhaps we, well, we could do beforehand, but the older generation perhaps didn't necessarily use. Um, it's led us to the place where we, we can, yeah, authentic relationships. I would pre, pre this call on, on Zoom where the puppy popping in, there's always a kid in the background, there's somebody interacting, there's always something going on. And I think that's massively, I suppose, humanized business. Um, I can't remember last time I wore a tie, but some of the meetings here will probably have been the same. You, you go to some big corporate meeting in London or Manchester, you wear the suit with the tie and all the rest of it. You're sat on a boardroom table. Everyone's all, you know, prim and proper professional. But on Zoom, I think it's, it's broken down some of those barriers that perhaps would have been there pre-pandemic by being able to see. I suppose you, you can see the office here, you can see the dog and the puppy, all that kind of stuff going on. Um, which, because you've been able to do that and you've been able to relay and then start picking up and not quite the cooler talk or the small talk he was, was talking about earlier, but you can talk about the puppy, the dog, and you, you can build up a little bit of connection and rapport that way. You know, have you got a dog? What's your dog? You know, where the pictures of the mall, great. I love walking. Do you like walking? I think still an element of communication and building relationships there, but I don't, I definitely miss and, and take Ian's point about missing that small talk in real life, particularly when you're with new clients. Um, well, yeah, authentic relationships for me is the, the key word there. I think it's, it's allowed to build up rapport easier to some extent. Not that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. Um, so I think as well, since the pandemic started and as we've gone through it, there's been an increased demand for entertainment-based content. Obviously, we've been working from home. Working hours are a lot more flexible. So we need things to keep us entertained. We like quick fire video. Um, Instagram and Twitter are shifting to more entertainment-based content, they want full-size picture, video, things like that, to follow suit um, with things like TikTok and Reels. Ian, would you say this has impacted what you offer to clients? So obviously, like I say, there is an increased demand for entertainment-based content. Just, would you say you've noticed a switch or a shift in what clients want from you when you pitch things to them? Um, I'd have to say at our level, I, I've not really seen that yet. Um, you know, you're, you're generally talking about relatively small businesses they're very focused on um direct roi from from anything that they're spending and obviously you know the more you get into content-based activities the harder it is to tie a direct roi to it um so i haven't seen them you know pushing down that route yet um but i think it's it's something that will trickle down um you know, as time goes on, we, you see it with technology all the time. Stuff that used to be the preserve of people with huge budgets becomes something that eventually people can do themselves at home individually on the home computer, sometimes even for free. And, um, you know, I think that that will will come down. I, and yes, I think maybe there's greater awareness and it kind of ties into what Chris said about um, you know, maybe the older generation not previously engaging with the, the technology kind of thing. Um, I think what, what's been going on has made the people who make the decisions in businesses in many cases more aware of, of the kinds of content and thing and, you know, not through business necessarily, but through what's been going on in their lives and, and the people that they live with. They've seen these things that previously they wouldn't have been exposed to. And they're starting to think, oh, there's something in that. There is some value in that. I can see how that might work for my business. And, and that will that will filter through. Um, I mean, inevitably, you've seen 
a lot of people push online who weren't online before or weren't actively using online in any way oh we have a website and you know nobody really thinks about it until somebody tells you it's out of date and that was the sum total of their online activity whereas now they want to be proactive they realize that this is the way to reach their audience and you know in many cases there are businesses who've who've had to go online and do things that they've never done before just to survive and um and that's come through but specifically from the, the sort of the entertainment and and the way that digital is is now a huge part of that um, leisure time and entertainment landscape. Um, I, in all honesty, I haven't seen that push through into the sort of smaller business end of the market yet. Um, you certainly see it obviously as a consumer in, in some of the big brands and, and what they're doing with stuff and everything like, like you've talked about, but at, at our level, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure. Uh, Chris, what uh, would you add to that? Yeah, no, it's, we, we've seen that. Definitely agree there with Ian. Um, it's definitely something big brands are pushing and doing because obviously they've got budgets and, and they've got money to, to, to do things to that level. Um, we have seen it successful on a smaller level on occasion with people using things like ephemeral content, the stories, um, things like Insta stories, reels, that kind of content. You can be a bit more creative on, you know, everyone's got a smartphone nowadays or an iPad, so you can, you, know, you, can, you can do relatively good creative entertainment contact content with ease i suppose um it doesn't necessarily need to be slick and corporate and professional all that kind of stuff um so we've seen companies do do elements of that but i think i think that'll come more um, like it's a trickling down i think where where it's going to go with terms of content itself will be more storytelling i think more businesses are going to tell their story tell and humanize the brand going back to i suppose that authenticity word i mentioned earlier trying to offer sure that there's a, a a brand behind the brand and there's a there's a value and there's cultures behind there's a team you know telling the story you know meet the team there's molly in the background just run over there meet the team get them take over tuesdays those kind of um behind the scenes content that tell a story so you're not just buying a slick looking website and buying into a brand but you're actually understanding i think that's going to be more of a thing and that's certainly true of the gen z and um probably the gen alpha generation coming through they're they're looking to shop and buy based off culture, based off the brand, buying into the brand and, and building a long-term relationship with that brand as opposed to just looking at, that was good, that was great, let's buy that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Waffling on there, but yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. You do have to sort of humanise the business, I think, to make people want to buy into it. Um, Ian, do you think this is something you sort of dabble in or is this something you want to sort of develop with your business too? Yeah, I mean, I think, is it pandemic related or is it just a generational thing? It is also a, a question with some of that stuff, isn't it? About, you know, the, what Chris was talking about there, about the, the way that the consumer is changing their their way that they engage with businesses and, and deciding who they want to engage with and stuff like that. Um, possibly the pandemic has sort of accelerated that in some ways, but um, I think that was a you know, society developing kind of trend anyway. And I haven't seen a great deal of evidence of that in, in, in our clients lately, but um, I, I can certainly see how there are, personally, I can, I can think of opportunities for some of those clients in terms of um, going down the, the sustainable, eco, vegan kind of routes um, of um, maybe creating sub brands or uh, a range of products you know maybe not the whole business but 
saying, well, if you're concerned about X, Y, or Z, we have a range for you kind of thing. And I think some of them will, will develop in that way. Um, either because they have those sensitivities themselves or they just see it as a market opportunity, one of the two. Um, the, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's kind of more how I see, especially in the smaller end of the businesses. And, and I, I've come across quite a lot of businesses lately, which are um, very much kind of founded initially on that, that kind of premise for one of those reasons. And it's not necessarily, again, not necessarily driven by the pandemic, I don't think, but um, yeah, certainly, uh quite a lot of businesses coming along which are um either community interest driven in some cases or driven by some particular um uh, i'm trying to think of the right term here because you, you don't want to sound derogatory with these things but you know a, a particular outlook or, or way that they want to live their lives or a particular concern or issue that that, that they want to get behind and that's kind of you know led them to create a business effectively and i think there's there's more of that now than there has been um, in decades gone by. Um, and that, again, that ties into, you know, what Chris was saying there about how the consumer wants to, you know, some of those consumers are also people that then go and start businesses and, and you know, for the same kinds of reasons that they're choosing where they buy stuff from. Um, so that's, yeah, but, but yeah, I wouldn't say that's particularly driven by the pandemic necessarily. Although maybe some of those people have been driven to set up a business because the pandemic has changed their lives, you know, from a work position and, yeah, that's why they've chosen to do it now, but maybe that's the case. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. Could I just jump on the back of that, Katie? That's, that's yeah, yeah, okay. of course. Yeah, I'm just thinking the word that keeps coming up to me, I'm probably fed up with it as well, Ian, is the word pivot. That's been thrown around a, a lot over the last 12, 14, 16 months or so. Um, and I think we've noticed in particular a lot of businesses pivot, I hate the word pivot, but it doesn't explain the word, even though I'm getting that nicely. Um, and we've noticed a lot in manufacturing recently, more recent months, so traditionally my producer product, I'll, I won't name the brand, but a jerky-based product who are in, in all the supermarkets across the UK, selling that way, that's how they've always, always done business. They've now realised, because they've been at home for the last 14 or so months, and they've been buying online and being the rise of e-commerce is what I'm getting at here. They've spotted an opportunity. Well, actually, why are we selling? Why haven't we gone e-commerce? Why are we not selling direct to consumer? Why are we not doing a campaign online to sell our, our wonderful products straight to the people, not subscription models, all that kind of stuff? Um, I think that's that's definitely been a shift and people looking for opportunities and not necessarily full pivot in the business, but building up sub-brands or separate little niches within their business to, to sell direct to consumer. E-commerce is, is huge, and I don't think that's, that's only going to get bigger. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's something I've seen a lot. Businesses that have had to start trading online to survive, and, and, and what they're doing online is not necessarily what they were doing offline either. Um, so I've seen services who have turned into e-commerce businesses during lockdowns because um, they can't provide the service because the lockdown so they've like you know um, somebody doing pet grooming and dog walking and that kind of stuff started selling dog products on uh, as part of their their website on an e-commerce section of the site it's we, they weren't doing that at all before mm. but it's obviously something that they knew about from a product perspective uh, and what was good and what they wanted to sell and and that's kept their business going I've seen that with um, yeah several businesses where they they've started uh, the e-commerce side of it and they had no reason to before and the pandemic's kind of 
well, force them really. It's you know you've got to be doing something. You can't do what you were doing if you want to earn some money. So they've they've switched completely. Um, what will be interesting is to see in the next eighteen months, do they keep doing that? How many of them realise that the e-commerce is a better business than they had before? Um, how many of them want to keep the two going together, and how many sort of fall back to what they were doing originally? And, and e-commerce was just a stopgap. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I think Brewdog are a great example of that, and I think they said Brewdog would do beer, and I think during the beginnings of the pandemic last year, they quickly switched, switched and pivoted into doing hand sanitizer products using the alcohol within what they were doing. I think that was a good, a good example of how businesses have, have really shifted and well, thought about how they do business on a bigger scale, but obviously on a smaller local level, businesses have had to really think about how they do business to survive, pay the bills. I mean most people are working to to pay the bills one way or another um and if you can't pay the bills then you're going to struggle um so what do you think has been the most positive outcome of the pandemic on the digital world like in terms of relationships with clients or the way the platforms have changed how you deliver training what has been the best outcome for you personally and ian i'll ask you this first um yeah i mean that delivering stuff online webinars or meetings whatever they might be has been a huge bonus so much more efficient um doesn't require the travel um and, and the waiting around and the all the rest of it and the cost for the people who who actually put on those events as well is clearly way better for them um so that's been a real positive but i also appreciate uh there is something lacking in a webinar versus being in a room with 15 people sitting around, you can look them all in the eye, you can see if they're engaged or not, you can um, see if they kind of want to ask a question, but maybe uh, too shy to do so that you, you can't do that on a webinar, um, especially if you're talking about more than three or four people because you just can't see them. So um, it's been a huge bonus for me personally, because it's made my life you know, simpler, easier. I'm not, you know, I'm not out on the road as much so I've got more time to do what I need to do um, but I do appreciate the experience in some cases anyway isn't going to be quite as good as, as being in the room with people so it's not not a plus for everybody um, as I said before with the, you know, the meetings and stuff that's that's been really good um, I, I can see elements of downsides on the agency side so you know, for me personally being a consultant it's not a big deal but I don't have people to manage when you've got a team of people to manage you can also see how that is you know a much trickier thing to do remotely uh for a number of reasons um the most obvious one is if you're not all in the same room having conversations or overhearing what people are talking about you know you miss out on some stuff you cannot act on you can't act on information you don't have um and and i'm sure chris will um concur with this Sometimes you just need to jump into what somebody's doing to stop something going in the wrong direction, to save a bunch of time, stop a mistake, whatever it is. Or, or in a more positive sense, you can add to it. You can do something extra, find an opportunity that you you know you wouldn't have otherwise come across. That kind of stuff, and that doesn't really happen um, working you know, solo at home. There's also, I think, in some cases. Uh, issues with the way that people work and um, that might be that when you're on your own members of staff maybe don't always have the same level of confidence 
so they may not make decisions or, or just get on with things and that can cause problems whereas if they were in a room with people you could just turn to somebody and go is this all right or oh i was thinking of this you know this can be small things but it, it can affect how how work gets done and in some cases i've seen where um somebody doesn't want to do something so they don't do it and that's possible when you're on your own because there's no social pressure you know, if you're causing a problem in the team one of the ways that that usually gets nipped in the bud is that you know if you're you're causing problems um you're doing so in an open office and everybody can see you're causing a problem and that will make you more aware that you're causing a problem because everybody will be sort of like shifting uncomfortably and what have you so you won't do it or or it'll stop whereas when you're just on your own and the only person that you might upset is one of the person who's also on their own there's no kind of social interactions to deal with that in a sort of natural way where you know somebody's somebody's having a bit of a problem day and uh, and it, it gets sorted out and it doesn't it can build up because either nobody's there to be aware that this is an issue building up um or something doesn't get done and nobody's aware it hasn't been done for several days and then you know why hasn't that been done oh, i didn't want to do it or i thought that was the wrong thing to do so i've not done it and of course you know that can cause problems so I, i've seen that kind of stuff as well um and that's the opposite of what you asked me isn't it which is what the, the positives were but um <laughs> you know there are there are pros and cons to all of this there's no doubt about that but um yeah i think the, the single biggest thing is just making lives more efficient by not having to travel and meet as much as we did and i'm not saying it's a, uh it's always the right thing to do to you know to do it online but um yeah a lot of things are now much more efficient and you know there's obviously cost and environmental benefits to that as well um not so much the benefits if you're a corporate landlord obviously uh hence <laughs> james dyson trying to get everybody to go back into the office in london because he spent 150 million quid on properties including a 26 million pound uh office block in london and of course he wants everybody to get back into the offices because his rents are going down um so <laughs> some people want you to go back but um it'll be interesting to see how that that pans out i'm, I'm sure a hybrid of some sort is uh is going to be uh, and you know you see agencies saying uh you know this can be a full-time remote role so there's another positive which is recruitment is a nightmare in this industry you know there's just not enough people with the skills uh, so if you can cast your net further and wider to, to find those the right people for the team because they don't have to physically attend the office then clearly that that can be a benefit for everybody involved in that you know people can get the jobs with the places they want to work without having to move and live hundreds of miles away or in other countries um and and the businesses can maybe more easily find the people that they they need for for their agencies so that's you know that that's a, i think quite a significant positive as well um but again you've got big tech companies saying no you're coming back to the office and then you've got some agencies i've seen saying no you can never come to the office if you take this job um so i'm not quite sure how that's all going to work out what where, where are you on all of that chris yeah i think we, we like for us i i take your points about having the team once you can see we, we we're very much that's how we prefer it we prefer the team to be a team and to be around each other so have those conversations and you know, do the learning it's easier so france just joined us in, in the start of june from an onboarding as a new member of staff and joining the team perspective she can learn as much as she can do when she's at home as much as you want to spend the time and training sources and the e-learning and all that stuff 
she's learned so much more in the last probably two or so months being here, listening to the conversations, um, picking up the, the languages, the nuances, the problems, the challenges, the solutions, everything that goes in the day-to-day running the business, I think is, is invaluable in real life. However, on the other side of the coin, I think, I think where we're getting at is there's no right or wrong at the moment. There's other agencies that I know who have got staff recruited and they've got um, members of staff who are in Mexico and new ones in Mallorca just because the, it's easier and they've got the talent pool. So let's outsource it. Let's find the skill across the world. Um, and we've been digital. I suppose the benefit there is yeah, as long as obviously your time management's on point and your project management's on point, it doesn't really matter where you are in the world. Um, as long as you can obviously negotiate the, the time differences. Um, they've, they've found the skills and it's working for them. So I think it's finding a way of working within the business that's going to suit your, the way you want to grow it or to, to run the business. Um, but I think to your question about the positive, the one that I wrote down here was people seem to have a clearer sense of purpose. Um, it's really put some perspective, the whole pandemic, as much as it's been shit, I'll say the word, um, for a lot of people, it's not been very pleasant for the last 14 zones, not been at the freedoms and all the implosions we've had on lockdown and whatnot. So I think the positive coming out of that is offered people a lot of time to reflect and consider futures. I think Ian obviously mentioned earlier that he sold his business during the pandemic. So that's, that's probably a good good thing to pick up on, on that. Um, but for me, I think the, the having that time out, you know, people have been on furlough, have they used that as an opportunity to reassess their their career, their their goals, their ambitions? And I think particularly in the digital sector, it's, it's allowed us to really focus on what we want to achieve um, and get that work-life balance coming through into the business. I mean, we pre-pandemic, we, for example, we were a slave to our inbox. And like I suppose many businesses are, you, you're, you're always looking at your emails, you're always checking it at 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, when really it shouldn't be. If it, you can schedule your emails, that's an obvious thing to do. You can take your time, you cannot respond until tomorrow. But I think it's reevaluated little things like that just to make sure people are going home refreshed, they're switching off, and then because they're switching off and they've got their own thing going on at home, they've got the balance, they've got the sense of purpose, they then come in and be a lot more productive in the office. So in focus for eight hours, do what you want outside of work. And I think that's that's been one of the things that I've noticed, particularly with our team, such a smaller level, but people we talk to is that is that sense of really focusing on work is great work is good but there's more to life than just work you know, it's going out with the dog it's spending time with the family it's whatever playing football for me it's, it's having that yeah the work-life balance yeah definitely I'd agree with that um just sort of going off the back of what you were talking about earlier about um you can experience problems within teams because everyone has different working styles you're not building that rapport in person how do you think we could better that um, going into this sort of hybrid dynamic that you've been talking about? Like, what? how could we get to know our team members better, do you think, using what we've got, such as Zoom, Teams, Google Meet, all things like that? Yeah, that's a, an interesting one, isn't it? It's You've got the, the classic problem that you've got with any group of people, which is you're going to have introverts and extroverts. And, uh, you know, it, it's like the icebreaker stuff you get at uh, your group meetings and that kind of thing i think essentially you you've got to look for uh digital versions of that and there's loads of stuff around that, that has that kind of function i've i haven't tried any of them but i've seen some tech coming up which is almost like um background chat kind of thing so sort of 
mics open and you know you can talk to people as though you were just turning around and talking to them kind of thing and, and I, I i can see some people have been trialing that kind of thing I, I don't know with what success um well okay so it's got to come down from the top hasn't it so i think the the mds the owners of businesses uh have to give the line managers the time and encouragement to um spend some time with the team and and you know it's not an afterthought to check in with people ask how they're going find out what's going on in their lives and this is obviously stuff that you should do whether they're in the same room or not but it tends to more naturally come out when you're in the same room i know so there's got to be some time allowed and in in, in, an, in a service agency where you know it's all about billable hours and, and what have you that's you know, it can be difficult to find that time but it, it's something that's got to be built into the business so that those line managers can get to know teams and you know find ways to get them interacting with each other because it's there's no point just having a kind of straight up down yeah the connection to the line manager is great between every member of, of their team but each member of the team doesn't really know much about anybody else in the team that that's obviously not what you want so um you, you do have to find ways to you know interact with each other um i've seen some pretty good stuff amongst the, the guys uh in my old agency where they've they've arranged um uh you know online gaming stuff but casual online gaming not you know not call of duty stuff but um there's, there's jackbox games and stuff like that where they're just little quizzes online but they're you know they're funny it, it is online so you you can hear and see people you know it is as close as you'll get to you know having party games in a room with each other kind of thing and that, that's that's worked pretty well um we've got various sort of non-work related slack channels for you know what you're listening to has anybody been watching anything good on tv um you know general chit chat about various subjects and and people just posting random amusing stuff that they found on the internet you know all that kind of thing um but you've got and, and you know you are inevitably going to have the quiet people the, the lurkers they see all that they're probably amused by the funny things they're probably interested in what people but they don't really pipe up and, and say much about themselves that's fine you know they, they're like that because they're comfortable being like that as long as somebody's checking in on them making sure they're engaged and you know doing something to see if they've been noticing what's going on with the rest of the team as well you know try and have uh, ask a couple of questions and you know oh, did you see such and such person this or what did you think of this just to make sure that they are staying engaged with you know the real world lives of, of the other people that they work with essentially not in any kind of prying <laughs> uh you know stalkery kind of way but um just with the kind of discussions that have been going on I, I don't think you you know i don't think you can do a lot more than that other than bringing people together in person and certainly my old place has been trying to have socials with people but obviously you know the best laid plans tend to get blown up pretty quickly with the world as it is at the moment and uh they have managed to get together a few times we're having small numbers of people go into the office in in their teams on a regular basis just to keep that face-to-face -face stuff going obviously in the better months you're able to meet outside and all that kind of stuff so it's, it's a bit safer in that respect how that's going to work out going through the autumn into the winter we shall see <laughs> um but yeah i think you've got to do a a bit of everything whether it's online or offline um if you're not all going to be in the same place at the same time yeah definitely 
Um, Chris, I'd be intrigued to see your um, end of this one because I've always felt like Shu's been really good at building up that sort of team spirit. Um, mm. I feel like I knew everyone even before I met a lot of them in person. So I'd be interested to see your take on how you think we can build that up again. That'd be great. Make sure you add anything I miss on this in case because obviously you've got a very different perspective coming through the academy. Um, yeah, I suppose what, what we've done there is, is, is to try and keep the weekly touch points with, with people remotely or in person. Um, so, so you've got the consistency, I suppose, of communication and, and relationship building. And then, like Ian said, when you, when you have the meetings, it's trying to have fun little games, stupid games oftentimes, and people think, what am I doing this for? But you don't realise through the stupidity and the fun, you're actually building a bit of team, team around that. Um, one of my favourite games is I went to the shop and I bought an apple, and then the next person has to add to that. That's one of my, one of my favourite little um, icebreakers, I suppose. Um, and then another one. I suppose those people aren't aware personality testing we were a big fan of that issue we there's a free one online 16personalities.com i think it is where we encourage and ask everybody to to do that what start their their journey whether it's in as a member of staff or with a team even some of our clients have done it um just to get an understanding of how they want to be communicated with so we can obviously then share that information across the team and then we can understand so we know who the introverts are the extroverts who are the you know, direct people who are the, the the really emotive people just to get a sense of understanding how we can communicate effectively and i think that's that's what we've we've really pushed over the last few years within within shoe and i think that's a great starting point for businesses who are looking to to really you know you might have some people working remotely you've got people coming in the office you might have a bit of a split week i think it's a good place to start is to understand the team by doing a bit of an audit i suppose by doing personalities testing whether it's disc or whether it's color works or discovery insights there's, there's hundreds of them but it all it's all backed by psychological theory to, to help you understand um that leads to better communication and then other little things i suppose just saying up private chat groups i know ian said that earlier but for us we've got a little shoe banter group i know that's not a word we should really use nowadays but we've got it anyway it's nothing to do with business it's you typically to do with you know funny memes or little videos or just just that light-hearted stuff that you you often miss um, online, but you can have a bit of communication on people's own terms, I suppose. Um, and then the other thing, I suppose, what people are considering more is making sure the environment is fit for purpose, not just from a COVID safety perspective and a HR and health and safety perspective, but somewhere where people want to spend their time. So for us, you can't see on the screen, but we've got flowers, we've got plants, literally cacti, yucca tree just behind the screen here. We've got a wellness garden outside there so people can sit outside and have a, either a meeting or just have lunch. So places there, if people are working from home, just trying to make it a little bit more comfortable for them if they need laptop stands, providing that. I suppose it's just trying to work, work with your team, um, whether it's in the office or home, to help them, not from a HR to cover your own back perspective but a genuine consideration as a responsible business i suppose to build that team is there anything i missed there katie anything no i think you hit the nail on the head pretty much <laughs> no i always felt like she was very good at um making sure everyone felt like they knew each other not just in terms of personality but as, as well like the way we work by like the personality tests things like that um i definitely think that's really important when you're working from everyone's working from their own separate bubbles um, I always thought she was a very good community feel. It did feel like I was in the room with a bunch of people that I've known for ages, which is really important. 
Um, and finally, sort of last question, what changes do you think are here to stay? Um, so you mentioned before, like some changes, we might re revert back to certain styles of working. We might do hybrid, things like that. What do you think normality has permanently changed or do you think we will sort of slowly go back to how we were before? I don't think you're going to get rid of the video meetings no. <laughs> anytime soon. Um, so I think that that is a largely positive change that's that's come to to stay. Um, you, you know, you've got some some as I said, some agencies out there that have been very clear. We are now a completely 100% remote employer. Not necessarily for everybody, but if if you wanted that, you can have it. It's going to be hard to row back on that if you've made that that statement very clearly. Um, so I think in many places of work that the hybrid, I, I can't see too many being able to be fully remote forever. Um, but I think, yeah, there's, there's a, the hybrid way of working is, is here to stay for many. And that might be relatively light touch. You know, like you look at those tech companies getting everybody back to the office. By and large, they're all saying, three or four days a week. So there is going to be still some element of remote working should you want it. Um, so I imagine that at least uh, an acceptance that it is fine and normal to work from home on a regular basis, not just the odd time, but you know, this is something that's built into your working pattern um, from week to week. I think that's probably here to stay for, for many. Um, obviously not not possible if you work in a physical environment you know manufacturing and all the rest of it but um yeah for the likes of us i think it is and yeah i mean the in the market then obviously the you know e-commerce has been accelerated uh in terms of its growth and its acceptance by consumers for all different types of products that maybe they wouldn't have bought online before um i don't see why that would go back although i'm sure there will be you know, uh, a settling of the dust in that respect, stuff that people have had to buy online because they have no alternative, there'll be a degree of going back to buying it in person to be able to wanting to see, touch, feel stuff that, that they're buying before they buy it. Um, no doubt that's got to, you know, there's got to be a fair element of that come back. Um, but I think a lot of people have found that they, they can do things online rather than in person um that they didn't previously realize or never tried before and they won't go back i mean I, i'd never in my life had a, any kind of online supermarket shopping experience prior to the pandemic and now i ain't ever going back um you know why would i want to waste my time walking around a supermarket queuing to pay for stuff and all the rest of it when for very little money i can you know probably the less than the cost of the petrol to get me to the supermarket and back i can have them bring it to my door and um, yeah, it's not perfect sometimes, but inevitably I will have to go to the shops for some stuff at some point. But, you know, generally speaking, every week, no, I'm going to have it brought here because it's just a waste of my time not doing it. So um, I think a lot of people are going to be like, you know, those kinds of things that they've now experienced that previously they never even considered, they're going to stick with it. Um, so there's, there's definitely good you know, behavioral changes. I don't think we're going to see a, a reversion to just how it was, you know in January 2020 uh, for everybody, definitely not. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think that the huge shift that we've seen is going to stay exactly at that point. It's going to fall back a bit in some respects, no doubt. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's how I see it. Yeah. Uh, Chris, have you got anything to add? Yeah, you covered most of that. Fine, it's cheesy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, sorry, couple, no, it's all right. 
A um, couple of things for me. I definitely agree with the tech. It's pushed. I have no idea. I'm going to guess guesstimate five years. Um, it's really pushed on the use and appreciation for digital, um, whether it's a non-digital native or it's a younger person. I think people get get and understand and appreciate what can be done online. Like he said, there with the shopping, we literally bought a car at the weekend through um, a big online thing. You'll see them at home. Um, but it's so easy. I mean, a car, a big purchase in business um, and life was made online. Never seen the car before, but it's just so easy to do. Obviously, care we are warranted the rest of it, but so much easier. I think convenience has been the, the key for the whole one of the key things that will stay if life can be made easier through using things like Zoom or Slack or any of the digital tools that are available. People will stick with it, and I think those businesses that have pivoted online and made money ROI and they've got the returns and they're actually able to prove the concept of whether they're doing something traditionally in the real life like a florist we know who was also selling subscription flowers they've kept both because they're both profitable i think that'll stay and i think the main thing for me the psychological changes i still can't get my head i've started having face-to-face -face meetings and it's almost like a rock paper scissors with people at the moment is it a handshake or is it an elbow or is it a high five is it a fist and it's almost like a rock, paper, scissor thing, and you create this all weirdness around that. So I think that's going to take some some time to settle. Um, I'm a handshaker, but, or a hugger even. It's like, well, what, what do you go for? Um, I think that uncertainty is going to, it's going to stay for a while. But I think the, the positive are, positives are that people are going to really appreciate what they've got. Some people have lost relatives and families, you know, friends of friends, that kind of stuff during the pandemic which is obviously sad. I think those that are still with us are, are going to appreciate much more what they've got, the value of life, the purpose, the vision, that kind of clarity of well, what, what they want to achieve with life, not just go, go work the nine to five. And I think, I think, yeah, the appreciation for what they've got and appreciation for life is definitely something to outcome, a positive outcome of, of the pandemic. Yeah, good stuff. Um. I'm going to close out. I just didn't know, Chris, if you, have, if you had anything to promote or before I round off. <laughs> nah, I don't do any promoting. No, I just want to say thank you, thank, thank you, Ian, for obviously taking your time and coming, coming to spend this 50 minutes of an hour with us this morning. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us.